You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Pennsylvania Woodsman, powered by Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network. This show is driven to provide relatable hunting and outdoor content in the Keystone State and surrounding Northeast. On this show, you'll hear an array of perspectives from biologists and industry professionals to average Joes with a lifetime of knowledge all centered around values aiming to be better outdoorsmen and women both in the field as well as home and daily life no clicks no self-interest just delight in the pursuit of creation and now your host the pride of pennsylvania the man who shoots straight and won't steer you wrong johnny appleseed himself mitchell shirk mitchell shirk mitchell shirk mitchell shirk Hey everybody, thanks again for tuning in to this week's episode. I hope you guys had a wonderful archery season because it is officially over statewide. But we, uh, we're we wrapping up bear season here. Hopefully you guys had a safe bear hunt if you were out. I was able to go Saturday and Sunday. We had, uh, had a good hunt. We killed one bear's group and I ended up uh, shooting a coyote on Sunday. I was like, uh, I think it was the second or third coyote that I shot, which was pretty cool. I, although I'm not going to lie, it was a little bit of a, a letdown because when we were in the hollow waiting, we heard shots ring out. Of course, the first thing we think is we shot a bear and we were all excited. And then when a coyote comes up, I had my suspicions and turns out they were shooting at the coyote. It came up to me. I shot it. Oh, well, we still had a good hunt, had a good time. It's always good to be at camp, catch up with people you don't see in a long time and uh, bring back memories of the woods. I, I, was, I was talking with uh, my uncle and some of the other guys that are in camp that have been there for a very long time. They were talking about stories of the bear that were killed over the years and where they killed them and you know the, the crazy stories of getting them out because some of the carryout for the, the bear that they kill have just been extremely, extremely uh, difficult with the, the terrain and you know, the weight of the bear and everything else. But a lot of good stories, a lot of good memories. It's good, uh, good to put some more in the camp. And I, uh, I'm, I'm looking ahead to my weekend for opening weekend of deer season. I'm probably not going to go out. Um, maybe if I get a chance, maybe I'll slip out one evening or something. But we got some some extracurricular stuff going on this weekend, and I've got a buck tag filled. I, I was hoping to get out and maybe check some new places out that are open for extended bear season. But in all reality, it's looking like uh, the first chance I'll get to go hunting is the annual group hunt at my cabin. And we're we, you know, planning on doing the same thing Thursday, Friday, Saturday, getting a group of guys together and making some pushes. 
you know, bear will be open where we hunt. Hopefully we can shoot some deer and just have a good time. It's the hunt that I have probably as much fun as any hunt throughout the entire year and look forward to it every year. So, uh, a week from today, I will be heading to camp and I hope a lot of you guys are, are doing that stuff. Hopefully you got good camp traditions or good fun stuff like that. And, uh, and you guys have a safe hunt. That's what matters the most. This week, we are talking with somebody who is a fellow Pennsylvania hunter, and he's, uh, he's been in the outdoor industry for a very long time. He was kind of a pioneer when it comes to the online content production, and uh, we're, we're talking with Jason Say from Wired Outdoors. Now, Jason Say, um, I believe, grew up uh, somewhere in southeast Pennsylvania. Uh, we were conversing offline about, uh, or off air, about some of the the mutual locations that we're familiar with in our in our general area, but he now lives, I believe, in western Pennsylvania, and he has a great show. He does a lot of hunting out of state across the country, but what I love about his show the most is he's doing a lot of hard stuff in Pennsylvania, shooting consistently some good bucks in a in an area that isn't commonly known for shooting big mature whitetails and he does it on a regular basis and we talk about content production the growth of wired outdoors and then we also talk about the story of a buck he killed last year which now has a documentary it's out and you can watch it. it's called all in the documentary and it's a story about a boone and crockett whitetail that he killed last year that he put so many sits into and was able to finally connect. It's an emotional roller coaster of a story, but it also, it's not just about the hunt. It's about the process of how he got there as a hunter and as a content producer. And it's really interesting. We, we touch base on that. You know, make sure you go check out Wired Outdoors all in the documentary and check out everything else that Jason Say and Wired Outdoors is doing. It's a great show. And with that, let's uh, go to this episode real quick before we do. Shout out to our sponsors, Radix Hunting. Guys, the Radix tree stands that I've been using, the hang-ons and the, the Trez sticks, they are phenomenal. They are quiet. They are solid. And I'm, I'm thrilled with them. If you've got any last-minute stand hang, hanging to do before rifle season, check it out. Can't say enough good things about their trail cameras, the m cell cameras, all the Gen 600s, stick and pick camera accessories, flawless stuff. It works really, really well. Great images, you you name it. All the products that you get from Radix Hunting, top end stuff. So check out Radix Hunting. And here we go with Jason Say. So uh, joining me this week on the Pennsylvania Woodsman, I've got Jason Say from Wired Outdoors. Jason, thanks for thanks for joining us on the show this week. How you been? I'm great, man. Thank you. I appreciate you having me very much. Absolutely. So we're as we're recording this, we're we're kind of going into hunting season as we're recording this, and I think you do some stuff out west. So what's your season going to be looking like this year? Yeah, I mean, I'm getting ready. I had I do a, do some elk hunting every year, so I'm you know getting dialed in. You you know, it's not the uh, the 30 to 25 yard shots we like in Pennsylvania, right? You know, you need to, you know, you need to be able to stretch it out. So just really shooting a lot of bow, getting ready, you know, like to be able to at least shoot out to 50, 60 in a pinch, you know, and, and things like that. Farthest one I ever took there, I took one two years ago at 69 yards um, out in New Mexico is where I had, but yeah, that's, that's coming up really, really fast and a hunt that, man, I, you know, I, I tell guys all the time, if, 
you ever get a chance to do a hunt, if you can do an archery elk rut hunt, man, there's whitetail is always going to be my passion. But man, if I lived out west, it would be really hard to top that. Archery elk hunting is is something. So I went out in 2019 elk hunting in Montana, and it was a fantastic experience. Killed a great bull, and uh, you know there was a lot of people that you know I knew locally that went elk hunting, and I talked to them, and they you know I got stuff about how they got so worked up with a bull elk more than they ever did with a whitetail, and that after they went whitetail hunting out west, that coming back to to Pennsylvania and hunting around here and stuff just wasn't the same to them. They didn't enjoy it as much. So from your perspective, because I know you're ate up with whitetails about like I am. So like elk hunting is fun, but like when you come back to Pennsylvania, does it still feel like you're at home when, when it comes back to that case? Or do, or do you kind of get a little bit lost in that Western, uh, Western ideology that man, sometimes it'd be good to just pick up and move out here. Yeah, it, it is. It's a good question. Cause I've said that and I've said, well, if I lived out West, elk would probably be my passion. Right. You know, but I grew up, I cut my teeth in Pennsylvania. Like we all did. Right. You know, and, and I've just been a passionate whitetail hunter since the time I've been 12 years old. And, and, uh, there's nothing that could ever replace that for me, you know, as, as much as I, and I love elk hunting. I do. I love it. And, but if you made me pick, if you said, Hey, Jason, you got to pick, you know, you can either never elk hunt again, or you can never whitetail hunt. I'm giving up elk hunting. You know, I'm, I'm a whitetail guy. You know, I, I, there's nothing more I love than it, but it's, it's close. It's not a no brainer, right? It's, it's not, it's not like, Oh yeah, it's, it's, it's easy to make that. But for me, I think just having that as a, you know, that never happened to me where I went elk hunting and I thought, okay, this just ruined deer hunting for me. Right. Yeah. That, that did not happen to me. I don't think there's anything that could ever do that to, to ever ruin deer hunting for me. That's just, I'm passionate about it. That's kind of how I am. Like I heard people telling stories like a bull coming in and them losing it to the point where they couldn't draw their bow back. And like, I didn't experience that. Don't, don't get me wrong. I was jacked up, but I didn't have that experience. And like, when I came back home, I was just as jacked up for whitetails. You know, you talking about, uh, cut your teeth in Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania is, we've said this a million times in the show, high hunting heritage and everything else. And there's not a lot of folks that start out at the time you did doing something in the hunting industry and they come from Pennsylvania and also do things that are within the state because a lot of your, your hunts, I mean, you, you show a lot of great content from Pennsylvania. So I'm kind of curious. I'd like to know how do you, how did you, get you know briefly how did you get started with wired outdoors at the time you did because you're you're looking you know quite a long quite a many seasons it was what season 15 i believe yeah season 15 that's so, right so yeah. like how did how did that get started for a good old pennsylvania boy and uh like tell let's let's go down that journey a little bit yeah um i mean well to make a a long story short, you know, I worked in healthcare for 14 years, was the director of marketing and strategic planning. And this was right when the internet was starting, right? You know, and, and I was put in charge of um, the web development at the uh, at the health system and it was all brand new. And and then I was like, I kind of was like, man, this would be cool to do hunting stuff with the internet. And I, I think I started a little chat, you know, you remember like hunting PA and so, like I started something like that early on. And, and I remember meeting some, um, some different people in the industry, like, uh, and actually a company that's not even around anymore called Metalist. And this was 
when TV was getting big, right? Like with hunting TV, everybody was doing a hunting show. And how old are you, if you don't mind me asking? I am you're, 29. You're, okay, you're young, so you don't remember this, but when 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 I first started, everybody and their brother was getting a hunting show, mm -hmm. right? And not many were making it, but like everybody could go out and, and it was relatively inexpensive. But I went to my sponsor and they were kind of sponsoring my my little website that I did and, and advertising on it. And, and they said to me, like, hey, have you ever thought about doing a, a TV show? And and I kind of, no, like, you know what I'm saying? You just, no, I, and it had never crossed my mind, right? And and then we were down and we were doing something else. And they again said, hey, we'd like you to consider doing a web show or do a, not a web show, do a TV show and we'll, we'll pay for it. Like, we'll, you know, like we think you'd be good. And, and so then it gets real, right? You're like, okay, now you start man, maybe I could do this. Right. Maybe, maybe, maybe I could make this work, you know? And, and I'm, I'm like, I said, I was the director of marketing and strategic planning. So I'm a strategic guy and I see all these shows starting and I'm just like, man, we got to be something different than just somebody coming out, but you know, what are we going to do different? And my whole niche from the beginning was we're going to be wired outdoors. We're going to incorporate. I was the first. We're going to incorporate social media. We're going to take fans along. We're going to have, you know, our Facebook page has 800. We were the first Facebook page to kind of blow up. Right. You know, and, and we're going to go and, and we're going to incorporate all this social stuff into what we're doing and take our fans along. It was a whole different concept. I mean, I remember talking to other sponsors and they looked at you like their eyes were crossed. Right. Um, but you know, ended up getting just a couple sponsors that year. We're on the sportsman channel for a couple years and, and they do what they do there. They raise their rates and raise their rates. And I, and I always said to them, like, listen, my niche isn't going to be TV. It's going to be streaming. And they laughed at me. They're like, no, you're, you're, you need us like, right. Like you need it. You, they know when they get you, right. When they get you, you end up, you quit your job and they know they can raise the rates on you that you don't have any choice. You have to go figure out and get more money and people take out loans and they do all these things. And, and I'm like, no, we don't, that's not what we're about. And, you know, so we were on the channel for two years and then we just went straight streaming, you know, and we were one of the very first, I think, um, bowhunting.com was right around the same time we were, but we were, we were literally one of the first ones that said, Hey, we're just going to stream all of our content. And, you know, it was a good move. Right. And, and it, it, it enabled me to do certain things that one, I didn't have to charge my sponsors near as much to be a sponsor because I'm not paying the TV channel you know, $200,000, you know, to, to be on the TV channel, it made it more affordable. And at the same time, it was, it was the way of the future, right? Absolutely. Like how many, shows, how many, should, I was just happened to be either lucky enough or smart enough or what it may be a combination of both to see that. But, you know, but that being said, it was really hard. Like we, we went through, we didn't make a dime, but I didn't make a dime for four years, yeah. you know, like, and then you go from a, six figure salary. We weren't rich. You know, my wife had just graduated nursing school. We had a lot of loans and, and things like that. And, you know, we were at the point, like we almost declared bankruptcy, right? Like, you know, like, Holy cow. Like, I don't know what to do. My son lived in six different houses by the time he was 12 years old. And I kind of revamped a little bit and, uh, you know, and I started my, I have my own PR and marketing agency and, um, right away, man, it's just a lot of clients are like coming to me and saying, Hey, do for us on social media, what you do for you. And man, it just blew up and it just took off then. So my agency and stuff that helps support the business. And I, you know, I kind of had to reconfigure to do the things that I love, but figured it out. And, uh, you know, and then after that, it, it, it has just been rolling ever since, but, uh, the, the beginning was 
certainly rocky um you know but now like you know my wife got to quit her job five or six years ago and we built a little you know built a nice cabin out you know in, in western pa and and uh and doing well but um went through a lot to get there it definitely was not easy yeah you definitely grounded out i mean if anybody who's followed along and i've watched you know quite a bit of your channel over the years and it, it you definitely see like the I'm going to call them growing pains, so to speak, that you would go through in a situation like that. But yeah, now times have changed, I guess, so to speak. I mean, you're 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 top of the top of all things considered. Um, I just again find it so cool that it's a it's a Pennsylvania-based show. Now you do a lot of other hunting. Tell me a little bit, like at that time. It's you know, and I think back to when I was in school and I was watching the Sportsman Channel, the Outdoor Channel, all those shows. I mean, it was a lot of going with outfitters. It was a lot of Midwest hunting, and it was it was very very content driven. And I mean, you've done hunts all over the place too, but you still do a lot of stuff in Pennsylvania. So like, enlighten us a little bit on that, just because I think that is unique to most shows. Most people aren't doing hunting shows that have anything in Pennsylvania. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I have this conversation many times with sponsors and, you know, I'm, I'm fortunate. I have the best sponsors in the industry, Realtree, Rage Broadheads, you know, Hunter Safety System, Whitetail Institute, uh, Moultrie, you know, all, all name brands that, you know, are, are, are well known. And, and, and we have the conversation often. You think of this, right? Like the Northeast, that's where the majority of hunters are at Pennsylvania, New York. Like, you know, we have more hunters than anywhere else. And yet there's no shows from Pennsylvania. Like, you know, you do have celebrities, you have, you have Levi and you have, um, you know, uh, uh, it's not bird song, but it's, uh, his partner, he's, he's from Pennsylvania and, and there, and there, there's some big names, but you don't see them doing a lot of hunts in, in Pennsylvania. And I apologize if my dog starts barking no, here. Good. Um, but you, you you don't see a lot of guys from Pennsylvania. And I've really, over the years, the thing that I found out er, early on, Hey, that's enough. <laughs> the thing that I found out early on was, yeah, people like seeing you go and you go to a buddy in Wisconsin, or you go to an outfitter in Pike County, Illinois, or you go up to Alberta with an outfitter and shoot a bear. And, and that's kind of aspirational type things that, that people like to see. But what I learned early on was people would rather see me shoot 130 inch buck on my own property than they than they would me going and shooting 160 inch buck that i just went and sat in a tree stand and somebody put me in it walked in and i shot it you yeah know? just because and it's relatable that, yeah that's right you know and, and and that that so you know from that time on i said you know what hey enough <laughs> sorry and and so from that time on i'm sorry give no, me one you're good. second you're good take the time you need man but uh but but i was saying what you know what i learned was guys appreciated more when you did the work, right? Like when you did all the scouting, when you hung the tree stands, you know, that was on your own ground. And then what I really found was people from Pennsylvania appreciate seeing a guy in Pennsylvania shooting, shooting deer, right. You know, or somebody from the Northeast, New York or Ohio or, or whatever. Cause it's one thing for us to go to Iowa and Illinois and Kansas and, and, and Alfred or puts us on, but it's another thing when you do all the work. So for me early on, it became, you know what, I'm going to spend a lot of time, you know, hunting in Pennsylvania um, because I think it means more when I shoot a good buck in Pennsylvania than it does going and sitting in a tree stand that somebody set for me. Absolutely. Because like I said, that is what we relate to. I mean, that's why 
I liked watching your show, and that's why so many other people do. One, one other thing I want to pick your brain on before we get into some more stuff hunting-related is, so you were talking about grinding it out with, with your show and, and all the you know blood, sweat, and tears that you put into that. I think so many people, and I, I'm saying this because I've been in this situation where you have such a passion for hunting and whitetails, maybe land management, whatever that is, and you get so fixated on that, you think, I've got to make this work for a career side of things. But I think the only thing most of us see is just the passion for the outdoors, the passion for hunting and fishing. Can you enlighten us a little bit about the work that goes into it that really isn't hunting work at all, and like your your drive and passion or interest or whatever for content creation and the, the the behind the scenes work on computers and stuff like that because nobody talks about that until you're living it and go oh wow this isn't what i thought it would be yeah i mean there's a lot more to it you know i, I said you know don't get me wrong my goal is someday you know that i can be so you know that all i need to do is go hunt right like but that's very rare you mm-hmm. know that is there are very few people in the industry that they're making all the money they do and all they do is go hunt. You know, they're doing, they're doing other things to make those ends meet. And and you have to do, you have to grind it out. Right. And, and unfortunately it's just, it's just not, you know, the days of the Michael Waddell's and the, the, the names like that, th- those, those are not that there's not big guys that are going to come around, but it's different now. And you're going to need to do different things. For me, I talked a little bit about all the different things that I do, but man, you have contract negotiations. You have the whole business side, right? And I, I tell guys a lot of times, cause you, you get guys, we, I love hunters, right? I love talking hunting, but we know in the hunting industry, there's the fair share of jealousy, right? You know, like a, a guy will look at you and be like, well, I'm as good a hunter as you. I should, I should have a TV show. And I was like, well, go make it happen, man, because it's a lot more than you going out and shooting a deer. You got to film that deer. You got to, you got to make an interesting show. Like there's a lot of things that go into that. You got to be able to tell a story. You don't just go out and shoot, but if you, if you have no camera presence, if you can't tell the story and relate to people, there's a lot of variables that go into it, but then to be able to market yourself, you know, to, to build a platform, you know, we built, you know, social media around everything we did to get our message. There was an exorbitant amount of work that goes into all of those things that have nothing to do with hunting, you know? And, and, and so I tell guys, I, I'm, I'm guys, biggest cheerleaders. And I, and I've, I've found in life, like working in this industry, one of the most frustrating things is, is how people want to tear other people down. Right. Like they, they want to see you fail. Right. I'm the opposite. I want people to succeed. Like, and I, and we need more people like that. Like I'm cheering for you. I'm, I'm cheering for guys like that. And I tell them if you want it and you want it bad enough, go get it. But understand it's not just going and sitting in a tree, you know, like you got to have the business side of things. You got to understand the marketing stuff. And and there's a lot of things that go into it for sure. And, and for me, you know, like I said, when I wasn't making it just on sponsors and we're up against it, I had to pivot, you know, and, and I have a full-blown media agency. I do web development, e-commerce, um, social media, you know, consultation, content creation. You know, we, we film commercials, you know, all different kinds of things that are going to pay the bills. Right. You know, so, so I have a lot of different things. I'm doing land management and consultants, you know, that's just taken off for me in the last few years. I got three different businesses that I'm doing, you know? And so, you know, I figured out, you know, 
how to how to grind, how to hustle and and how to make ends meet to, you know, to be able to do what I'm passionate about. And I still say all that, like, I don't say in a way like, oh, man, you should feel bad for me that I'm having to do this. I get to wake up every day and work with hunting related stuff. Even if I'm even if I'm doing web stuff or I'm doing e-commerce, it's all with the outdoor type products. Right. So every day I'm getting to do something hunting related, but sometimes it's just not my favorite thing. I'd rather be out setting stands all the time and scouting and yeah, looking wouldn't? at my trail cameras and doing all that. But it's just, it's just not the, it's just not realistic. Right. Right. I'm glad you shared that with us because, uh, you know, people listen to podcasts all the time and it gets them fired up and makes them want to do content creation. Let's face it. I started this podcast. I had no idea what the heck I was doing. It's been a, it's been a juggling act ever since, but it's, it's, you know, it's, it's a learning curve and it's now it's been pretty successful. And, um, you're into a whole new world when you're talking about the content creation type that, that you're getting into. So speaking of, uh, of content and stuff coming from PA, um, one thing I've really enjoyed now I am, I'm a bow hunter at heart. I mean, I would probably say out of anything, I'm a bow hunter, but I, I do have appreciation more than I used to for that, that the gun season, the Orange Army, and some of the stuff that Pennsylvania is known for. I, I kind of am good with it now compared to what I once was. And you've had a lot of that in your in your show too, and it really illustrates what hunting in Pennsylvania can be really be like. But you have a good blend, like a good blend of land management and targeting mature deer and also that family camaraderie aspect in deer season. And I, I, I really like that. I mean, do you – how do you how where you stand now with all the different hunts you've done? Like right off the bat, somebody starts talking about Pennsylvania rifle season. What's your initial reaction? Your initial thoughts? Uh, you know, I, I'm kind of like you, right? Like I'm a bow hunter, and that that's my passion. But what rifle for me has always been. This year was the first time I took my rifle out and shot a buck in I think 13 years. Um, but I go out every year with my family. Like I look at, like, I live for the rifle season because I'm hunting with my dad. I'm hunting with, I'm hunting with my brother, you know, usually fortunately I'm already tagged out on a buck. Right. And it's just me. It's, it's just a relaxing and it's, it's what we all grew up doing in Pennsylvania. You know, back in the day, you know, we used to get all the aunts or the uncles and the cousins and we do these massive deer drives, right? You, you were probably too young for that. But back in the day, that's what we did, right? Everybody got together. There was nothing was posted and you just took off and you shot the crap out of anything that moved, you know, like that's, that's what we did. But it was, it was those memories with me. I don't think we ever shot a decent buck. I mean, we shot lots of does, but it was that time spent with family. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and for me, that's that's always gonna be the most important thing to me is is you'll see my hunts if anybody asks me what are my favorite hunts you know i've killed some really big bucks i'm gonna say my hunts with my kids like you know and and that to me is 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 pennsylvania hunting and 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 that's just something that we've always done and it's been really important for us in, in family time and spending quality time together and i can't think of any better way to spend quality and family time than hunting together right you know just you and and, and you're hanging out and I'll give you a good example. You know, my dad, he, uh, 
he's 76, 77 years old. He has, he's had neuropathy for years. He's, he's served in Vietnam and um, he struggled health wise. Well, he got COVID and he was in the hospital for 89 days mm. and we didn't think he was getting out. I remember over Thanksgiving, we're having a conversation. We're all crying because I mean, they, we weren't allowed to see him. Right. And and I mean, we're balling like we're, we're thinking this is it. You know, we we're not even going to say goodbye. And, and that's when people weren't getting out. Well, that old cuss, he made it right. Like he made it in uh and, and that next year I took him hunting and I'll tell you what, like I, on, I'll get choked up. I honestly felt like how many times you hear a guy say, I wish I had one more hunt with my dad, yeah. right? Like I had one more hunt with my dad. And I honestly felt like, holy crap. I literally got one more hunt with my dad. Right. You know, cause I was sitting there saying, and he should not have been there. And not only did he get better, then he's out hunting with me. And he shot a deer that night. Like we sat there and it was one of those nights that it wasn't too cold, but it was, you know, it was, it was cold enough. And he, we sat and we just had just an awesome time. And we didn't even care if we saw deer, we were just so happy to be there. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and just so happens right at dark dad, there's a deer and my dad has trouble moving. Right. He has neuropathy. He just, he picked that gun up and swung it. Like he was a 26 year old man, put that gun on that deer and shot him like, all right, man. It was one of my favorite hunts of all time. And to me, that's what Pennsylvania hunting really is, right? Is, is those kinds of things. And, you know, and, and you hear lots of people, you know, they go to the camps and the public lands up in Sullivan County. And, and those are the same kind of stories they have hunting with their dads and their uncles and, and, and their cousins and things like that. And, uh, and that's really, that's really how I look at Pennsylvania hunting. And, and, and that's the most important thing to me, especially with rifle is just quality time with family. If you're looking to simplify your food plot system while enhancing the quality of your soil, you need to check out Vitalize Seed Company. Vitalize provides top quality seed blends designed to fit into their 1-2 planting system. The system has been designed to allow highly diverse plant species to grow synergistically, optimizing nutrient uptake and cycling the way God intended. Reduce your inputs, build your soil, and maximize the quality tonnage for the wildlife in your area. Find out more about this system and get your seed at vitalizedseed.com and be sure to check them out on Instagram and Facebook. Radix Hunting was founded on premium grade trail cameras and continues striving to produce the best cellular and conventional trail cameras on the market today. The Gen 600 is a second generation camera from the Gen series line. With premium video and audio recording capabilities, this product has become well respected as the HD video trail camera. In addition to the Gen series cameras, their M-Core cellular camera has all the features of a quality cell camera at an affordable price. Along with their cameras, they offer stick and pick trail camera accessories to allow you to set your cameras just right. You can find it all at RadixHunting.com and be sure to follow Radix Hunting on Instagram and Facebook. Want to check out Radix cameras in person? Stop in at Little Mountain Outfitters in Richland, Pennsylvania and have a peek. Now, back to the show. So, is family the driving force that allows you to kind of separate that the two? And when I say separate the two, like that mindset of targeting a mature buck and it's kind of that man versus beast um, goal you've got in with a bow as a bow hunter. Um, is family the main thing that drives it or tell me a little bit more, like, is there anything else going on in your thought process, your, or your expectations or, or just how you view your hunt throughout the calendar year? Because it's, it's hard not to like, 
there's got to be an adjustment in my mind. You've got to have some kind of like mindset adjustment or preparation adjustment going into rifle season because I think the dynamic throughout most of the state, throughout most of the hunting, is going to change after archery closes and gun season opens. Even if you've got a really good private property, there's still a lot of surrounding pressure. It just changes the whole dynamic. So, like, just enlighten me a little bit more on that, like, how you approach that. Yeah, I mean, it it absolutely changes it. I mean, and I do. I am fortunate. You know, I grew up on a 56-acre farm. That's where I hunted. I had a friend who let me hunt his private ground. I'm not even around any public ground. It's just not something that that I ever did. That being said, all my ground, I'm surrounded by Amish. And I'm not going to sit here and, and, you know, but we all know they can be hard on deer, right? They're, they're not, you know, they, they shoot them for crop damage and things like that. And so honestly, I feel like I, I am hunting in state game lands at time, especially when we get to the rifle season. So there is no doubt, you know, and, and when I look at one thing I've been really good at, you know, in the past five years, we talked a little bit about this before the show. I've been really good at getting on a target buck early in the season, you know, like shooting one. I, I believe in Pennsylvania, if you do your work, there's, I believe shooting one earlier in the beginning of the season is easier than we talk about the rut, right? Like the rut, I believe as a hunter, if you can put in the work and you can find one when he's still patterned, when he's doing the same things, you can get them early in the season. And that's, that's really what I've patterned myself. So that's what I look for. I really get after it. I, I mean, I hunt hard all year, but like, I really get after in that early season. And, and in the last five years, I've shot four really good bucks and three of those we're all in the first week of season. And the one I shot this year, which was a, a stud, he, I shot, I hit him in the first week of season. It was my own fault. Like I hit him, hit him high shoulder and ended up not getting him and then got him all the way then in the PA rifle season. Um, but so I should have last out of the last five years had my buck killed for my, you know, in the last five years should have had him killed in the first week of season. And for me, then at that point, it always makes it easy that, Hey, you know, I'm going to get the kids out. I'm going to do this. You know, I always do take kids early, right? Like, you know, one of my goals when I die is I take a new kid hunting every year. I find a kid who hasn't shot a deer yet and I take him out. I, it's usually that first week, that first weekend. Um, you know, I try and get that kid out. Cause I always said, when I die someday, there's, I want there to be a whole boatload of you know, they'll probably be grown men then hopefully, but they'll be like, you know what? That guy got me my first deer. That guy got me my first Turkey. Right. So I, every year I have a goal. I try and get a kid a Turkey and a kid a deer. And, and, and once I get one with them, I take another kid the next year. Right. You know, some kid who's never got one before. And you know, that's one of my own personal goals. And I have my family, my wife hunts, my daughter, my son, you know, so I, I try and spend time and hunt with them and work it all in. And, I've always been able to do that shooting them early in the season. That's been easy. This last year is, you know, we talk about, and I don't know, I don't want to jump ahead, but you know, I was, I was fortunate. I shot a giant. I really felt kind of guilty because it was the first time. And I even talked about this in, in the documentary that we do. I actually say, um, it was the first time I ever let a deer change me. Like, I didn't hunt with my family. I hunted for that deer 70 different times, 70 different sits in archery season, morning, night, morning, night, morning, night, morning, night, then ended up shooting them the third day of rifle season. And I even said in the, in the documentary, I was like, I wouldn't want to do that every year. Like, mm -hmm. I don't want to give up the memories. I don't want to give up the things that I gave up to do that. It was worth it that year to, to, to go get them. But if, if you said, Hey, you're going to have another big one this year and you got to, you got to do what you did that year and you're going to miss time with your family. I, I wouldn't do it, you know? And, 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 but to do it that year, I don't, I don't regret it, but I had, 
I had regrets, right, of, of things that I felt like, man, I missed some of this stuff that I usually get every year. So, so yeah, just going into it, I, I hope that answered your question or kind of what you were looking for. But, you know, going into it, my goal really is is getting on one early in the season and, and you know, and, and then getting others out and, and doing things. But even that being said, last year when I was chasing that buck, I got two different kids, um, their deer early in the season. I got my dad a deer. I, actually, that's a show because he called me and it was the rut, right? Like, and I'm chasing a 165 inch giant. My dad calls me. It was a real nice day, the first week in November. And he's like, Hey, I'd like to go hunt. And I'm like, Oh, I'm like, you know, I'm like, Hey, your dad calls you and says he wants to go hunting. You take him hunting. And I took him out and he shot his first buck in like 14 years with me. And, and again, just an awesome, awesome memory that I got to spend. And so, so I do do that. I find it important. Every year is different, right? Like, you know, schedules are different when you can go hunting and, and all that kind of stuff. But every year, generally, like I really try and get on a good buck early in the season. Uh, definitely answers the question. I think that segues really good into kind of a different avenue because we talked about Pennsylvania hunting, but I really want to know the the grind that you had last year a little bit. So, I mean, tell me a little bit about this buck because a hundred you just shared with us a hundred and sixty five inch deer. I mean, that's an impressive deer anywhere in the country, let alone you know in in Pennsylvania. And I, I kind of want to know, you know, for 165-inch deer to get that big, it took a few years, so you had to know about him. I mean, let's dive into this a little bit, if you don't mind. I mean, when did this buck cross your radar? Sure. So it was the year before. Um, and 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 so I guess I guess what I was, you know, and I talked a little bit about the other bucks that I shot. You know, I shot 154-inch four years ago, 150-inch three years ago, and 135-inch, you know, the year before this one. So I, I was on a good run, and – I had him the year before and we ended up finding his sheds An Amish kid found his sheds from the year before. And I hunted him hard, um, but didn't get on him. Ended up, I think it was the second week of season. I had that 135 inch four and a half year old come through and I'm like, Oh, should I pass him up? And, and, and I shot him right. Instead of shooting the one, which now I'm glad that I did right. because we ended up finding his sheds. I, I do believe last year, the buck, that I got this year, I, I think he was a five and a half year old deer. Um, you know, I think he was a four and a half, which that's really what I try and kind of target is those four and a half year old deers. I mean, those are, that's a, that's a trophy. I don't care what the racks like in Pennsylvania, you shoot a four and a half year old deer in Pennsylvania, you're, you're, you're doing something right. And that's kind of what I target. And I'm, I'm in this stand and this 135 inch, you know, old deer comes out and, and I shot him. So I, so I ended up not hunting that buck that much that year. And, and I went in a couple of times, different times. I had trail cam pictures of them, went in a couple of different times with friends, like in rifle. And I say, Hey, I got a trail cam picture. I'm here. And I was going to let some of my buddies shoot him because a buck like that, a four you got a lot of pressure around you. It's like, Hey, we need to shoot this thing. Well, fortunately he made it through and you know, they ended up finding his sheds. And just to give you an example of how much they can grow, they found his sheds and they measured him. Now, you know, the spread wasn't exactly right, but I think he only measured 144 or something like that. So he grew 20 inches yeah. from the year before until when I got him this year, but I'll never forget. Um, you know, didn't know if he made it. And literally, um, I do a lot of this starting in like July, um, and, and, and early August where I'll put trail cams and just put some corn out, you know, to just get an inventory. And I put the camera in the same place where I got him the year before at the exact same time. I mean, who do you think was the first year that came out to that same camera 
the same, like almost to the same date as the, as the year before. And it was him. And I, I mean, my mouth just was like, Oh, look at him. Like, you know, and, and you know, when they're in velvet too, I mean, it's just, you're like, Oh my goodness, he's a 170 inch deer, you yeah. know? And I wasn't too far off, you know, but I'm like, good grief. You know, and I'd never, I've in all my years of hunting, I've never had a deer like that in front of me, even hunting Illinois, Wisconsin, Kentucky. Um, you know, I saw a bigger deer than that in Alberta once, um, but that's been it. And uh, I, so then at that point in time, I literally said, all right, man, I'm not, I'm not leaving the state of Pennsylvania. Right. I called every one of my sponsors because, you know, when you have contracts, you have to produce a certain amount of content. And I'm like, man, so I got to go and travel and hopefully shoot a buck in early season. And I, then I can go travel and do some other things and hunt with other people. So I put a call into every one of my sponsors and I sent them pictures of the buck. And I was just like, listen, I, I want to be all in on this buck. Like I, I, I want to, I want to hunt him until either I kill him or somebody else does. Are we okay with that? Cause contractually, I may not be able to deliver the same amount of shows, but if I can kill this thing in Pennsylvania, it's a really big deal. And they all, everyone's like, yep, man, do whatever you need to do. So at that point in time, every plan we did, you know, I had some good buddies who helped me and, 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 you know, from stands and what we were planning and what food plots, what wind directions, where we thought he was going to be at certain times of the year, every thought, I mean, I didn't sleep, you know, I'd be up checking my trail camera at four in the morning. My wife would get so mad. She's like, turn that thing off, you know, just, okay, where is he? What's he doing? You know? And, and, and so every plan, every thought, like I, I was obsessed, right? Like I literally was like, it's all I could think about was like, man, how am I going to kill that deer? And, uh, and so, you know, we, we put the food plots in first day of season comes around. I take a little kid hunting and it was really warm. I don't know if you remember the first, the opening day, it was, it was super warm. Um, Sunday, you can't hunt in Pennsylvania, which, you know, so I was like, you know, it was still warm on Monday. And I'm like, man, I can't get in. The wind's not good. I, I have two pictures of them here at this place. I'm just going to go, I'm going to go sit here. And I didn't even bring a cameraman. Cause I was that he's not going to show up. Like there's no way that my first day out hunting that he's going to come here. I have two pictures of him in two years at this particular food plot, but I'm going to go because the wind's right. And that's one thing I learned with big bucks is you don't mess around, like make sure your wind's right. Make sure, you know, you put every advantage you can. So I'm in there gorgeous night. It's a warm night, lots of deer. I think I saw 13, 14 deer and it's getting, you know, that last 15 minutes. And to my right, the big nine, a four and a half year old nine that he runs with. And I knew he ran with him. And I, I said to myself, man, it's gonna be really hard not to shoot that nine if he shows up. And I'm like, good grief, the first buck I see, and he's gonna make me make a decision on the first day. But then I look behind him and there it is. It's just rack. I mean, it's coming through the golden rods. And at that point, it's like, oh my, this is gonna happen. I mean, he's gonna come in the first night. Like, this is freaking crazy. Like, I can't believe it, you know, and I'm, you know, I'm getting worked up and I'm bumping the, the camera with my arm. It's, you know, I'm in a blind, which I never hunt. I don't like hunting in a blind. I'm six foot six, mm -hmm. difficult to get drawn and things like that. But that's was the only option on this. And it was really the only thing with the wind direction that night. So now I'm, I'm self-filming, right, on this giant. I'm, you know, you got all these things racing through your head, and I'm filming. I get them. It's beautiful footage, right? I don't know if you ever film it all or anything, but it's that, it's that last light footage that's still really good, not dark, not pixelated, the most beautiful footage. And he comes in, and I'm like, all right, you know, I'm going to wait till he gets there. And, and then a doe starts to come up, and she's getting goofy. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to let it rip. He's like, you know, 28 yards, and draw back and, and, and let it go. And I knew immediately I, my heart sank 
and I hit him, I hit him in the shoulder, you know, like it, it was high shoulder. I knew I got good penetration though. I said, you know, I got, you know, I know I got penetration. Hopefully it's the part in you that don't, doesn't want to admit, right? Like you don't, you don't want to admit like. You're trying to I just, milk that last little bit of confidence out of it. That's right. You're like, I think, I think, you know, so there was part of me just based on the, the penetration that I got that like, I, I think it was low enough. And I, and I think, I think we'll be good. So I get out of there. We come back. We watch the footage 9 million times. Like, I mean, I watched the shot over and over and I'm just like, it's high, but I think it's low enough. Right. I think it's low enough. And, you know, on a big buck, man, the no, the no man's land is, is big. And he was, he's, he was a horse of a deer. And so went back in that night, didn't find any blood, did find the arrow, had like eight and a half, nine inches of penetration, which you're like, hey, you know, maybe I got a shot. So I'm like, we're just going to wait till the next day. Came back, looked, never found a drop of blood. Um, then I brought a dog in. I said, I'm going to bring a dog in. No luck, didn't, never found anything. Brought in seven guys and we gritted up and down and some of the thickest, nastiest, gnarliest. I mean, there was a reason this buck lived here. I mean, it was disgusting how thick it was and, and it actually ripped through my jeans. My knees were completely shredded by the end. It was some of the most painful, um, one of the most painful things I ever went through. But anyway, look for this deer, look for this deer, didn't find them. I came back and I tracked, I kept it on my, my onyx. I went nine and a half miles just gridding, mm -hmm. looking, looking for that deer and never found them, never found a drop of blood. And then on Friday, because it was warm that week, I brought in a cadaver dog that, that specialized in finding it. We found two dead deer. And like each time I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, it's like, oh, that's a button buck or, oh, mm -hmm. that's a that's a doe, like crap. And so we never found him. So, you know, I was really bummed. I was really down. And that's never I, happened before. I, I, I was going to say, Jason, let me stop you just for a second before we go on with the story, because I'm really curious. Like, you went through the highest of highs to the to the lowest of lows throughout this whole probably week-long process. So not not to, not to bring this into a, a, a sad picture, but tell us a little bit about, like, your lead up to that shot and then, like, your emotions going into it and out of it because this is the biggest deer you've ever drawn your bow back on. And I, that is one of those things that it's so hard to mentally prepare for. So, like, yeah. kind of give us an idea of what that was like and what transpired and wh why you think the shot went the way it did. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's, you know, everybody has excuses, right? And I've been fortunate – to kill some big bucks. Right. I mean, and smoke them like mm -hmm. perfect shots. Right. You know, I killed that 154 at 37 yards. I mean, and absolutely, I mean, he didn't make it 50 yards. Right. And that, and that was out of a tree stand and, and looking back on it, and this is what I would tell guys, you know, and I hadn't really practiced much. I was hunting in a blind mm -hmm. and I'm a tall guy. I got a long axle to axle bow, you know, and, and, you know, so you're like drawing and you're, you're bumping the blind when you're doing it. You know, I got a camera. I, I think I just, my excuse is I had too much going on. Right. Yeah. You know, and, 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 and I, I blew the shot. I don't, it wasn't the bow. I came back, the bow was dead on. Everything was, everything was good. I'd killed big bucks before. And, and I'm the kind of guy, I think there's two different kinds of hunters. There's the guy who loses it before he shoots, right? Like who, mm -hmm. who can't control. That's not me. Like I can, but after I shoot, like just come unglued, right? right? Like start shaking. The adrenaline hits me. Like I've had times where if, if I draw and then have to let down 
it's really hard for me because that adrenaline crashes, right? You know, and, and so I, I don't I don't put it up as like, man, I, I just completely lost it and whatever. I just think I was in an awkward spot and shooting in a blind, sitting, you know, what I'm used to being in a tree stand, standing up. And 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 that just comes, you know, hey, I, I tell guys, you know, make sure you practice how you're going to hunt, you know, and that was kind of a last second decision to go there. But still, that being said, you look what happened, and I should have practiced more sitting down and and, and doing those things. So I, I really feel that that's that's my my reason for doing that because, like I said, I've I've killed big deer, and it wasn't I was excited. I was mm-hmm. really really excited, but I don't think that's why I ended up hitting them the way that I did. Gotcha. So take us through. So now you go through the whole process with the dog, your, your grid searching. So like, what is in your mind at this point? I mean, are you, are you thinking that this deer hightailed it out? Did you bump him and he died? I mean, what what's going through, you know, the, the next week or two weeks after this whole thing transpired? Yeah, I, I'm 50, 50. He's dead or he's alive. Right. You know, he's either going to show back up and, 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 and on one of my cameras, cause I had lots of them out where he's laying somewhere. Right. And I was watching for buzzards, you know, doing the things that you do, just driving around looking for that. Cause you know, I, I didn't know where else to look and, and sure enough, he showed up a week and a half later, mm. boom. I mean, he's, there he is. And he, and you could see it, but he was back in, he was in one of the plots and he's just fighting with bucks and he's walking like nothing happened. I mean, like he he's walking around and you could see it on his shoulder. And you know, when you eventually watch the, the movie and stuff about it like you you i show it like he's walking around and you can see and it was it was high and forward it was higher than i thought it was based on the video footage too um but yeah he was he was good and and the game at that point in time was 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 back on and i'd been hunting every night and every morning up until that point too just hoping but i'd been kind of hunting the outskirts where i thought he might be because i'm like well, i don't want to go in here and, and do anything until i know he's back in there yeah. so i think i played it really smart and i just kind of i hunted every day and every morning and night but i was on the outskirts not i just didn't barrel in saying oh, i hope he shows up here tonight because i didn't know where he was you know and and until i got some intel okay, he's back. Here's where he's showing up. Here's where I bet he's bedding. Then I had some information to go off and I, the hunt was back on. Yeah, so let's go into that. So you, you were just sharing with us earlier that the first week of season has been really good to you. You've, you've devised the system with the properties you've hunt that you're real confident early and er, the first week didn't work. So now, you know, times are changing, seasons are changing and you're going to have to make some, some game shifts here. So you got some intel. You got some pictures of where you think he's been, where he was, where he's going to and coming from. So, kind of take us into this next. You know, how did you shift gears in approaching hunting this deer? Did you keep that yeah. same strategy, or did did things have to really adjust in order to connect? Yeah. Well, what I would say is my first week strategy is, is solid. My second, third, and fourth, not so good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe it's because I've shot, <laughs> shot deer so many times, but to make a long story short, you know, for me, he went, he went pretty nocturnal, right? Like he, you know, he, he got nocturnal and I had Intel on where he was and, you know, I was very careful. I only hunted in, 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 in the winds where I knew wasn't hopefully going to blow him out in areas where I wouldn't be walking through where he might be, you know, I wanted to be really careful with them, but all in all, I counted, we counted it. What I hunted 70 different sits in archery season. Cause I'd hunt one place in the morning, one place in the evening, one place in the morning, one place in the evening, just trying to, to get on that buck. And what I realized with this deer that might be really interesting to your, to your listeners is what I, what I started looking at was he was really hard to pattern 
from week to week or month to month or day to day. But when you started looking year to year, he he was in the same general area mm. year to year. And I remember I was talking to my buddy Andy Tracer. I said, man, and it was it was all the way to the last day of archery season, right? And I hadn't seen him yet. Like I'd been in some of the right places, but he showed up after I was there. You know, he came in at night and, and things like that. <clears throat> so we get to the the last day of archery season, and I'm talking to Andy, and he had had an encounter with him last year at this particular stand. And he's like, he was there last year on, on this date. I'm like, you know what? You're right. I'm, I'm going to go, I'm going to go there. So I'd hunted every day, 70 times in archery season. I saw him the first day and they put an arrow in him and, and didn't even see him the rest of archery season. The last day comes, I go into that stand where I had in, Intel from him from the year before. And that's where he was at. Well, don't you know it? I hear grunting up on top of the Hill and you might think this is weird, but, he, he had a unique grunt because I had him on trail camera grunting. And I'm like, man, it's not like what you think with him. You know, you think it's going to be this loud growl and it, and it wasn't. And I hear this buck grunting on top of the hill. And I'm like, that sounds like his grunt, you know? And I don't know, like maybe it was just like me saying, Oh yeah, yeah. That's gotta be him. Right. You know, just trying to talk myself into it. So I let out a couple grunts and, and, and things like that. And I hear some rustling and I look off to my left and there he is. It's like, boom, it's like, we're on, right? Like it's, it's go time. Here he comes. And he's a big, and he didn't get this big for no reason. He just comes to the edge where he can see like happens a lot of times. He had a doe with them behind mm -hmm. him. He comes and he looks and he looks and he was at 62 yards and he looks and he looks, he's like, I'm out. And he just turned and went the other way. And it was just like, Oh, you know, like all those hunts, all those sits from the beginning. And I knew, you know, I knew that was pretty much it. And I sat, I ended up sitting the rest of that day and I hadn't taken lunch or water or anything with me. It was cold. I don't know if you remember the last day of archery season, but we got a nasty ice and wind. It was 20 mile hour winds. I sat the whole day. I, I sent a text to my buddy. I'm not leaving. He's, I think he's bedded right on top of the hill. And when these does come down tonight, he's going to be here. Well, he didn't come down. I didn't see him the rest of the night. I sat the whole day. And, and that's when the point I realized like, wow, for the first time in 13 years, 14 years, I'm going to be getting the rifle out. And you know, that was kind of the archery season, but it was a grind. <laughs> so the, uh, you, you went through and I, the historical year to year date is something I've talked about a lot. Cause that's how I've been able to have some connections with some deer I've pursued. And that's what I've talked about. The two deer that I'm after this coming season, that's what I'm basing. I'm basing on windows of history that I have. And, and that's all I have to go off of because I'm hunting small properties. And I think that's my best chance. So, you know, it took you a season long and you, you had that situation where you went into that stand that he was at a year before and you had that encounter. So did a little bit of a break between our archery season and our rifle season start kind of give you a little bit of an edge to kind of like reset, recalibrate and formulate a game plan going into rifle season. Yeah. I mean, it definitely did. And I needed a break. I mean, like I always tell people, you, you never want to tell anybody because there's so many guys that would love to do what I do. Right. You know, so you don't want everybody to feel bad for you, but when you hunt that many days and that many, many of them were all day sits. I was, I was whooped, man. I was, I was tired. I needed it. Like I'm, I'm glad I was bummed that it was over, but I was kind of like, man, it's just kind of going to be nice to, to, to refuel here. Right. It was more about kind of refueling. And, and then the plan was going to be, you know, unfortunately, and he did the same thing. He went really nocturnal after the rut, you know, like, I mean, and, and the other bad thing was he, 
at that point in time, so like when I saw him during the rut, I mean, he was big, he was, you know, all, all puffed up and he was, he wasn't even walking with a limp. Mm. As the season went on and we go in, he started walking with a limp and you could see him visibly losing weight. And and I'm sure it was a combination of not only the the shot, but then going through the rut, right? Mm-hmm. You know, but but you could tell he was done. Like he 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 was just went really nocturnal and he was coming out at night and and just to the same particular area. And and it's like, well, that's that's where I'm gonna hunt him, right? This is where I'm getting pictures of him, and I just gotta hope he slips up, you know, because I mean, how else am I gonna kill him? He's got he's gonna have to like slip up some night, and that was really kind of the game plan going in is, is okay. This is how I'm going to hunt him. Always paying attention to the wind, you know, like, you know, I, I knew where he was bedding. I don't want the wind blowing in there, you know, how I'm getting in and out, all those good things. But the, the game plan was pretty simple. It was just going to be put a lot of tree stand time in. Good deal. And then you said you were able to connect on the, the during the first week. Yeah, it was. So first day didn't see him. Um, and we hunted on, on the far end of, of the field and in the, in the plots and hunted there again, all hunted all day, the first day, all day, the second day, the third day, the wind changed. And I'm like, man, I don't want to keep walking down through here. I just feel like you're going to be booting these deer. So what I decided to do was hunt out of a stand and I don't really like doing that with a rifle, right? Because, you know, when you're in a blind and you have a, a, a tripod or a bipod, you get a real good rest hunting with a rifle in a stand a little bit tougher. And I knew it could be a longer shot. And I, fortunately, I don't know if you've ever heard of swagger bipods, but I have a set of swagger bipods that I've kind of learned how to use those to steady a gun when you have a shot and stuff. Um, but I went in that third day and I'd been getting pictures of them, you know, five, 10 minutes after dark. Right. Like, I mean, really close. Like, I'm like, he's coming out here. It's, it's really close, but the pictures are all just a little wee bit after shooting hours. And I think legal shooting hours that night was, was five twenty. I said, well, I'm, I ain't moving till five twenty. you know, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes you'll start packing up, you know, like five minutes early. I'm like, I'm sitting tight till five twenty. Well, don't you know it? Like maybe at five sixteen, and it was already, it was cloudy that night. I, you probably don't remember. We had a lot of rain the first day of rifle and then it was cloudy. And, and so like, it was getting darker earlier, but it was still legal shooting lights. And there was a little five point out in the, in the middle field. There was a field right close to me, which was, was where I was hoping he was going to come. And then there was a field out above that was going to be, you know, 150, 170 yard shot. And I looked to the left and coming through the woods, I can see a big deer and, but it's just dark enough. I don't know what it is. And then it gets out in the plot and, uh, and I'm looking and I pull up my binoculars and it's like, Holy crap, it's him. Like good grief. It's him. And and, and I'm like, it's getting dark. And I pull up my gun and I kid you not, Mitchell, it is just going circles. Like, I like, you know, I told you I'm good at holding it together. This buck finally had me unglued. And, and I, and I didn't have this, I wasn't thinking I didn't have the swaggers and the whole time there's a tree down there and, and the limbs are getting hard to see. Right. Like, it's like, man, where are those limbs? And I've hunted it enough. I, I go, I need to let him get to that side of the tree. Right. And, but you know, I'd ideally would have liked to let him get over here, but that's going to, I know that'll be after dark. He's just in there feeding. I got to wait till he gets past that tree. And finally he does. I pull up the gun and first time I pull, it's just, I'm just doing circles and I'm like, okay, okay. Put your gun back down. He's just feeding. Put my gun down. I pulled those bipods out. Took a couple deep breaths. Bring it back up. And and it's getting dark, but I mean, I I have them dead to rights. And I'm like, all right, I'm gonna let it rip, you know. And I let it rip. And it. How do I say it? It was the most unclimactic hunt I've ever been on because 
I didn't see if I hit him. I didn't see where he ran. I didn't, I didn't know anything. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. I, did I hit a branch? Did what happened? Right. And, uh, and so I'm just like, man, I'm listening for the crash. Can I hear where he's running? I can't hear anything. <clears throat> so I do what you do. I wait half hour, 45 minutes. And I say, I'm going to wait that long. I'll get down and go see if I have any blood. Right. And so I do that and I get down and, and, you know, it's good and dark then. And I can't find any blood. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there's no blood. And I'm like, man, this buck has got my number. I, I had to hit a branch or something and it was cold. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to get out of here. I'm coming back tomorrow morning when it's daylight. I went all around, like it goes up against the woods. So what I did was I went to the edge of the, the plot and looked, but I'm like, I'm not going to go into anything. I'm just going to look and see if I see any blood or see anything laying. I didn't see anything. So I'm, I'm going to come back tomorrow morning. That's, that's what I'm going to do. But I'm all, I'm gonna be honest with you. I, I'm a normally a pretty confident guy, right? It, I don't. This buck just he shook me. I'm like, I, I'm not feeling good about this, right? Mm. Like I just I don't I don't have a good feeling. You know I don't I just don't know. And I don't do a lot of rifle hunting. I'm not I'm not an expert rifle hunter. I'm I'm an archery guy. I haven't shot a, a buck in like I said 13 14 years with a gun. So I'm like, man, I, I think I'm a good shot, but you know, it's 150, 160 yards. I don't know. I guess maybe I missed them, you know, but come home, don't sleep. Right. You know, and, and wait and, and get up in the morning and, and head back. And I get in there and I look where he was at and I look at that tree and I'm like, man, I should have been able to get one through there. Like there, there's no branches right. there that, that, that shouldn't have been an issue. So I'm like, I'm just going to walk down. There's a Creek, a stream, and I'm going to just kind of start zigzagging up. Right. You know, and, and see if I can't find anything. Cause I can't find any blood. And I go down there and I start up and I kid you not, he was, I was five yards from him the night before I lose my freaking mind. I come out of my skin. He was late. I literally was five, 10 yards from, him. I don't know how I didn't see him. I mm. honestly don't like he was, he just, he was right up. It was a perfect shot. Like it was, he was quartering away right where you want it. I mean, he only made it I bet he only made it 75 yards total. And I, to this day, don't know how I didn't find him. but it's okay. It all worked out, but I lose, lose my mind. I mean, and I know the Amish had to be like, what the heck is going on down there? I'm screaming and yelling and, and, you know, and he's in the thick stuff just piled up and I'm yanking them. And I don't even know what all I was saying, but it was, uh, it was, uh, I, I think, I think everybody knows there's, there's certain times in life where you have a complete sense of euphoria right? Like there, there a handful of times, if you're lucky in your life, right. Mm-hmm. Where it's just, every, there's nothing that anybody could do that could take, you know, like you're just completely euphoric. And I was, I was, I'd worked so hard for that deer from all the work I put in before season and then hunting them right. 70 different times, morning and night and morning and night. And then just the relief, like I'm sitting here, like, man, all my sponsors, if I don't produce this, I produce nothing this deer season. Right. Like I I didn't, I didn't produce a show, you know, Mm. so just a huge weight lifted off my shoulders, but like, but just to match wits with an animal like that, right. Like just to go at it with him, all year it was just it, it was it was an undescribable feeling and people might think um maybe it was weird i don't know but um it was it was really unlike anything i've ever had before and 
all my buddies start coming in and everybody, you know, we, we had a couple of beers and, you know, and everybody's coming in to see him. And, and, and it was, uh, it was just, it was really something pretty special. And I know a lot of guys were, they were excited for me because they know what, you know, the work that I put in for them too. So it, it, it all worked out in the end. I made it way, way harder than it needed to be, but it was nobody's fault but mine. That's for sure. Well, what you just talked about was a, a journey and it was like a journey of a lifetime. Cause that really, that really is a, a fantastic story. And if you don't mind, I'd kind of like to circle back a little bit. And I just kind of want to know it, it, or, or share with us what you like. Tell us a little bit about the highs and lows you experienced throughout the hunting season, not necessarily in the field, but when you like at home, you know, I know you had support from your family, but as you said, like 70, 70 straight sits morning, night, whatever it was, um, that's a huge commitment, and you said it in, in the beginning. You know, we, you you sacrificed a lot, and uh, that was some stress. It had to be, and I'm I'm kind of yeah. curious if you can enlighten us a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, actually in the in the documentary itself, I, I talk fairly extensively about it. That uh, that was that was probably the hardest part um, of of all of it was, you know, I missed. I never missed my kids' games, right? Like I missed volleyball games. I missed. Um, you know, like, you know, my son plays college basketball and I missed a couple games of his that I never do. Right. Like, and there was a tremendous, how do I say it? Uh, feeling of guilt, right? Like, man, am I doing this for myself or is this for my family? You know what I'm saying? Is this for my, you know, I'm giving up all these things. Is it the right thing to do? Right. You know, is it, is it right to give up everything, um, to do this? And, and, uh, that was, that was by far, I mean, that was the hardest emotional part, right? Like from, from a emotional standpoint, the grind itself from a physical standpoint was, right. was, was difficult, you know, of just the hunting every morning, rolling out of bed and, and getting up and doing it over and over and over again. Um, it, it, it was, it was rough, you know, but that part on a, on an emotional side was, was really, um, was really, was by far the most difficult part. And, and, and there was a tremendous amount of guilt, right. You know, and, and I, I think I said this before, if you gave me a buck and you said, Hey, you can shoot the biggest buck ever. And you got to do that every year. I wouldn't do it. You yeah. know, like I, I, I'm not going to do that every year. Um, but looking back on it, I, I wouldn't change it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have changed what I did and how I did it. Right. It's, it's a heck of a story. Yeah. I missed a couple of volleyball games. I missed a couple of basketball games. My kids know that I love them more than anything in the whole world. Right. right. There's never, never, ever that question. You know, my family knows and, and they were all behind me. Right. Cause I don't do that every year. I don't say, Hey, I'm not going to hunt with you this year. They know I'm dragging them out by their ears. Usually let's go. You're coming hunting with dad, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and, and so, so, you know, I, I wouldn't change it. Um, but it's the same time. I wouldn't want to do it every year. What about like, uh, I know it's a little bit different because you're, you're producing a show and there's, uh, there's definitely some 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 level of part of this that this is I'm doing this because we we got to produce some content for the show. But at the same time, it's with deer hunting. Like, can you tell us a little bit? Like, what was was there anything interesting about communication with your family throughout that whole process? Because communicating, like when I, when I think about my own personal life, and I'm trying to hunt as much as I want, but I'm not trying to take away from my family and just being on the same page with my wife and my family is, is hard when uh, I, I, I call it, you just get into rut mode and deer mode. Like it's, you just get this one track mind. Like my wife, wife will tell me many times that I'm home, but I'm, I'm not home. I'm not, I'm not present b because of that. And like, 
the community, like I said, it just comes down to communication being like, is there anything that you can share with us from that aspect that maybe somebody can take away? Because I know how driven a lot of us get when it comes to big whitetails. Yeah. I, I think the the biggest thing that, that helped, you know, me and, and my family was just the little text messages, right? You know, like, you know, to my daughter, Hey honey, I love you. I'm thinking of you, daddy, have you seen them? Right. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like, just those little things that, that, that they know, Hey, you love them. You're thinking about them. Right. You know? And, and, and like I said, you know, if I did that every year, that would be a problem, but but my family knows I don't do that. Right. And so they were all behind me. Like it, it, it wasn't, it wasn't that they were upset that, Hey, I missed this. They knew what I was trying to do and that I don't do that. Right. And so I had all, I had a hundred percent support. It was more my own, just, guilt like you know like oh god i don't want to miss her volleyball game you know oh, i don't want to miss collins basketball game or or just you know the little things right picking them up from practice or you know w- w- you know studying for something together you know those things that you missed for a, for a month and a half right you know and and so being able to do those little things and just, you know, making sure, like you said, the communication was big. And a lot of times it's just something little, right. You know, and phone cell phones, I thank God I didn't have them when I was a kid. Right. You know, like it's, it's it, but like for us through that process, it was, you know, and, and it was a lot of them saying, have you seen them? Do you, do you see him, daddy? You think you're going to get him tonight? You know, like, you know, my wife, like, did you shoot that buck yet? You know, like, you know, and, and just little things, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that's kind of what got us through was just the, the little things and being able to communicate. But fortunately for them, you know, I don't do that every year. So mm-hmm. it wasn't, it wasn't like, you know, like, Oh God, dad's going to be gone again this year. You know, I had a hundred percent. They were behind me a hundred percent the whole time. Good deal. Well, I I'd said before we started this and got rolling, I had a, a question for you because it's one that like I had happened to me and I'm I'm kind of wondering where you're at in this position. So you just killed the biggest deer of your life in Pennsylvania. And it's not that it's not possible to connect on something bigger than that in Pennsylvania. It's very possible, but it gets harder and harder when, when you, when you're putting it to, to, to something of that caliber. So where are you at mentally going into this season with chasing deer? Because it's 2021 was a weird season for me. Like I, I think the high of killing a giant stayed with me into that season. And I still wasn't in reality. Like it's a new year. I'm trying to, trying to shoot a deer. And like, I was, I was not of clear mind when it comes to hunt mode in that, that fall. So I'm, I'm just kind of curious, like, are you still in that phase of like pinch me like <laughs> the, the the honeymoon phase yeah i mean i i'm still on cloud not you know like i still you know the documentary is getting ready to come out so like we're reliving it all over again right you know and all the the marketing and things behind it are going so like you're constantly talking about it we talk about it all the time um but you know i think it's a very realistic possibility, Mitchell, that I'll never shoot a bigger buck than that Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. Like I, I understand that. And and I think everybody goes through an evolution. You're a little bit younger than me. My goal in any years is, is in Pennsylvania is not so much the, the antler size. And it's, I want to shoot a mature whitetail, right? Like I'll shoot a four and a half year old eight point all day long. Um, because when you start matching wits with a four and a half, five and a half year old Pennsylvania buck, 
I don't care. I don't care if it's 165. I don't care if it's a eight point. I shot a giant buck in Kentucky one time that had one antler and was seven and a half years old. And it was one of my most prized possessions I've ever had. Right. It was just an old gnarly, gnarly buck. And that's kind of where I've got to in, in, in my life. Now, that being said, I don't have a four and a half year old on, on camera yet. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, so I'm, I'm looking, you know, and I I'm confident I'm going to find something to hunt, you know, and, 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 and find a mature deer. But for me, I don't think I'm ever going to set my goal as like, man, I got to shoot something bigger than I did this year. Cause I'm very realistic that that may never happen again. Sure. Now I said that when I shot 154 inch buck too, I'm like, I may never shoot a bigger buck than this. And that's a likely possibility. I think I was listening to a stat one time, that somebody said 10% only 10% of bow hunters will ever shoot a buck over 125 inches. And I, I don't know how accurate that is. I right. don't know if you ever heard that. And I don't know how clear that is, but man, I was like, wow, I've been really fortunate because I've shot a bunch mm -hmm. over that. Right. You know? And so like, I don't think each year, each year is, it's never, I, I hate how people make hunting a competition or, yeah. or they want to do something for how people look at them. Right. For me, hunting is an internal thing, right? I don't care if somebody doesn't like that. I shot a 125 inch, four and a half year old, eight point that won't bother me because the hunt is what means more than anything to me and matching wits with a big mature buck is, is what I love to do. I, you couldn't have said it any better because you're hunting for you because I've said this before. I'm, I'm, I'm breaking a, I'm probably being beating a, a dead horse, so to speak, but like no matter what you do hunting in your life, nobody else is going to care what you've got on the wall. You know, when you're gone, that doesn't matter. You know, whatever, you know, yeah. that the, the buck that you killed is, which is fantastic. People are going to appreciate, but if it's, it, it's, it's yours and it's yeah. awesome that you shared it with it, but like, people it, life goes on because it's just a deer and I, I think your pursuit the way you describe that and keeping it within your hunt is that's huge that is so huge i'm really glad you shared that with us so you've been hitting yeah. around the documentary a whole bunch so tell us a little bit about that like you you know you you, you filmed this hunt and it, it turned into something bigger than a normal wired outdoors production it did yeah yeah our normal shows are like 10 minutes long and uh yeah i had a documentary company approach me and say hey you know i've been following your story um and the guy's a friend of mine but he produces a lot of documentaries for other companies i'm like man i've always it's always been a project that i've been interested in doing i said well if i'm ever going to do it this is the story right you know this is this is one heck of a story that we could do and and if you watch documentaries it's it's done with it, it's not like the normal wired outdoors where hello and welcome wired outdoors today we're going to be doing you know it, it 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 is a super creative um and it and it tells the story and and one thing i said to the documentary company when they approached me i was like you know what? I want to do this as a documentary, but I want this documentary to be more than about a big buck. I want a woman who never hunts that would want to sit down and watch this story, you know, and how are we going to do that? And, and the way that we did that was we really tied everything in from, from how I got started in this. Right. And, and my wife's a huge part in this and, and the struggles that we went through as a family to be able to do things. Cause like I told you earlier, everybody sees what's above the water, right? Like they, they don't get to see that. They don't get to see what's below the water. They see what's above. They don't get to see what's mm -hmm. below. I want to show them what was below, right? Because everybody thinks, oh, this guy just had it easy and he had this and th this was given to him. 
And that's just not the case with most people. And, and it certainly wasn't with me. And, and I want a woman who never hunted before to be sitting there because the, the first part of it's really telling that story and how I got started in the industry and how hard it was that by the time they get to the hunt, the, the girl who never hunted is like, man, I really hope this guy gets this buck. Right. You know, mm-hmm. like, you know, and, and my wife does a, a really good job in it, but then we get into it and, you know, and it was a two year quest for this deer, right. You know, we got footage of this deer, we got trail cam pictures on, we got all kinds of just supporting things that really bring the story together. I hit him in archery season. I have that encounter. It's, you know, I'm biased, right? Like I'm, I'm super biased. It's going to be different than what guys are used to watching. If they just want to watch a, a kill shot and what, this isn't the show for you. Right. Mm. But it's an hour and 15 minutes long and it goes through the the whole season and the struggles that I went through and the emotions, all the things that we've talked about today, you get to see it. Right. You know, mm. and I cry a couple times, like, you know, like when I get the buck, I think I start, you know, getting choked up and, and, and things like that. It's super emotional. And that's really kind of the goal is to take everybody along and let them feel that emotion, let them feel what it was like to, to be on that hunt. And, and I'm super excited to release it. And, and I think people are going to like it. I hope they like it. I said to my wife, I said, well, if people don't like it, at least we have a cool video of our life story that we can watch when we're 90 years old. So absolutely. The yeah. trailer looked awesome when I watched it and I'll be anxious to see that too. So, man, yeah. I, I really appreciate you coming on and sharing the story. I, I love the Pennsylvania hunting perspective, and I, I appreciate you telling that that story because not only is it an awesome story of a of a buck you pursued for two years and the biggest buck, there's, there's so many little things to take away from it, whether it's from hunting strategy or the family aspect, and I can appreciate that. So, man, before we let yeah. you go, um, you know, make sure you, you plug Wired Outdoors where people can follow along with you if they're not already and, and make sure they, they know where to look when the when this documentary comes up. I think by the time that they listen to this episode, the documentary will, will be out already, but if you're listening to this and you're, you know, you want to watch that, you know, be sure to check yep. it out, so you know, sure. have at it. Yeah, the, the documentary, we actually have a website for it specifically. It's All In. The, the title of the, the documentary is All In because I was all in on this buck. I was all in on quitting my job, and it seemed like an appropriate title. So it's all in the documentary.com. Again, all in the documentary.com. Um, and all the information on where you can watch it, it's going to be on Carbon TV, Waypoint TV, uh, Realtree 365, as well as all the Wired Outdoors, the Wired Outdoors YouTube channel, which is wired uh, youtube.com slash wired outdoors tv it's going to be on the wired outdoors roku channel which is a, a big channel for us if you have roku you know you can download our channel watch all of our shows there um so you can see it as well as anything else that, that we've done um and it's going to be out you know again i'm not sure when people will listen to this but we're looking at like mid-september um is probably when the release will be on carbon tv first then go to waypoint tv and the other platforms um so that's the general plan and you know my website wiredoutdoors.com i also do you know habitat management consulting a lot of stuff like that and do a lot of videos on that that's fielddaysmedia.com i have a bunch of different businesses but uh you know i I guess that's enough plugs for one day but i guess the big thing is is if you tune in and watch the documentary i'd love for you to watch it i hope everybody likes it it's been a lot of work and hopefully a, a lot of people can relate to the story absolutely jason thanks again for coming on the show and and we look forward to having you again sometime yeah. Thank you, Mitchell. I appreciate, appreciate it very much and good luck this season. Yeah, you do the same. <laughs>